What's up, my people? We're back on the Third Eye Movie Reviews, and we just had a great week in the theaters, man. We had the Oppenheimer. We had the Barbie called the Barmerheimer. I did do the double feature, me and my girlfriend and I. We did it. It was a great time. Um, but, man, we're going to dissect the films, and I'm going to I'm gonna promote why I don't think you should do the double feature. But it is a great cinema experience. So if you want to do it, do it. Don't take my advice for it. But I just always like to give true, honest meaning, so I will do that. But also, we're going to be talking about Mission Impossible 7 that I caught on the Early Access event, too. I'm very proud of. Thank you, Tom Cruise, for all the greatness that you have in filmmaking. And, uh, yeah, man, it's the third eye review. Let's dive into it, and I can't wait to crack it down, baby. Um, yeah, we're going to start with Mission Impossible. So, uh, man, yeah, Mission Impossible was great. I was, uh, I've been waiting, been waiting for this one, uh, with Tom, you know, since Top Gun Maverick, Top Gun Maverick being my second favorite movie ever. Um, yeah, I just was really waiting forward to this one. I knew Tom couldn't, he couldn't come with something low after Top Gun Maverick. So I caught back up on all the Mission Impossibles cause you know, I've been in and out of them all my life. You know, that's been something that's been early in my life, you know, all the way graduating through high school with Fallout and it's still being great. So, uh, yeah, I went back through the first six, like a week or two prior to the film. And it was one of the best choices I made. Um, just it was just really cool to seeing how time really grew into that character and really grew into the, how Mission Impossible threw him into the stunt life and just really wanting to build cinema and that building it to the viewer's eye and really seeing something that's grasping the eye, seeing something cool. And it's always cool seeing the movie. And, you know, when Tom's doing something, it's like, man, he's really doing that shit. So it just makes you take in the movie so much differently and enhance it in a different way. And uh, especially in the third eye world, when I take it in, man, I just really appreciate what Tom's doing on the screen and stuff. So, uh, yeah, I went back and took all those in. The story of Mission Impossible is Ethan Hunt. And, um, you know, he he's went through some things of being a, being uh, on a mission and doing some things. So he had, he ended up getting caught up and yeah, he ended up having to go rogue and things through the year, just the ins and out and becoming an agent, but having a team and going rogue and always, um, you know, having battles with family and getting out of the agency of the IMF and stuff. So there's a lot going on within the mission of possibles that I really don't want to ruin if you have not watched. So go in and dive into them and uh, yeah, you'll just really love those because Tom Cruise, he just sets it off. So uh he sets it off real well and I love it. So I think it I think it could it's potentially one of the best action series ever, you know, within this outside of a trilogy. You have to give Mission Impossible the respects it has. But uh yeah, Mission Impossible seven was great. They actually dove into I like how the timing of the story was with the AI. I think that's why a lot of people were discreet of it. They were trying to say it was lousy writing. And more. I don't get how you get lousy writing when it's comparable to the times we're living in now. So I really just wasn't digging with that. And that's how people, some people were giving it a three, five out of five and stuff. And that's just like, what else do you expect? And they just really, I could understand if it was an AI story and they didn't run with it to a great way. And this is a part one that people don't understand. So like, we're obviously gonna get the rest of that story and more, but how, a, how they took the AI story and, you know, just forced it onto, you know, this can't get into the wrong hands or, you know, the key, the key in the wrong hands will unfold like madness for the world and stuff. And it was just really cool seeing Tom just Tom go from this, you know, this agent to like something different of maybe ruling the world, him having to rule the world for a better world, you know, cause he don't trust nobody without the key and controlling AI. So the part of dead reckoning, uh, part one is awesome from the action sequences to the dialogue. I love it. You know, there's a lot of, funny moments that you can blend in well with the characters 
uh, Simon Pegg does well, and I just love it. I love it. Rebecca Ferguson does well too. I cannot wait for Dune too. It's going to be phenomenal. It's going to be phenomenal from the IMAX movie, from the IMAX trailers and more. And I can't wait for that. So yeah, that was Mission Impossible Seven. Uh, I cannot wait for Dead Reckoning Part Two. I think that's going to give more people upside when that comes out to go back and really appreciate this movie. So don't kill the movie right now, man. It's only a part one. Let it live, man. It's great. And just give time his justice. I don't care what you believe in outside of, you know, beliefs. We all believe something different. But don't let that critique how great a movie is, please. And I feel like people do that with Tom Cruise movies. And that's not fair to Tom. It's not fair to Tom at all. So we got to keep it fair. Be right back. But you have to keep it fair. And, um, and yeah, like, I just think that, I think that people just take that out of, you know, out of the context of a great movie sometimes. Like, oh, Tom Cruise believes in Scientology, and that's just not fair to him putting time in to create a, a great movie for you moviegoers that go and truly want to buy into a great movie. He brings that to the screen. So let's not knock that when Tom Cruise makes movies and stuff. So uh, let's talk about the next one. Do I want to talk about Barbie or Oppenheimer? Ah, man, it's tough. I think we're going to go Oppenheimer. Here. No, we'll talk about Barbie. We'll talk about Barbie. Barbie wasn't bad. Like, I just I just think that coming out of Oppenheimer, it wasn't the best idea to go straight into Barbie. Um, I think it would have been better on a different day. But, I mean, you just got to test and trial things sometimes. But uh, I'm really appreciated that I watched it. But I I think I'll rewatch it when it comes out more to really appreciate the film. But right now, I'm just not really liking the film. Um, we go into a world of the Barbie world with Margaret Robbie and Ryan Gosling, and um, we the movie tests the movie tests the movie tests the two the two Barbies in the real world pretty much proven that the Barbie world is, you know, uh, the Barbie world is, is the place to be. And within the movie, I would, I would think that, you know, like the real world's fucked up right now because people want to think their own ways and stuff. So the Barbie world is the place to be to where you can have that mindset to be whoever you want to be and whatever skin you want to be. I do believe in the Barbie world and the mindset that it's bringing, but the message that like throughout the dialogue that was being pushed, through the back and forth of the Ken and the through Ken and Barbie was just not like how I was feeling and stuff. I feel like it was kind of trying to get to, I don't know what audience it was trying to reach. You know, it's just hard. It's hard to reach nine, 10 year old girls with that kind of dialogue. But I think the 16 to 17 year old girls might get it. So I don't know what kind of, I don't know what kind of, you know, audience is going forward but the guys really need to see it too because it teaches a great story about how important women are in our world and you know discretion and all that and you know just not not believing that it's a man's world because it's not you know all men are created equal women can do everything that they're empowered to and we just have to believe in that and support that and women can have to put themselves on that pedestal as well and and i I do believe women do do that you know women hold themselves to a higher standard and it's girl power in their own meanings in their own way which is fine but you know, um, we all just, I just feel like most people I surround myself by just know, like, the right 
feminist, you know, the right ways of supporting feminism. And I just feel like, you know, Greta Gerwig in this film, just it, I feel like she was trying to get that, like trying to persuade it and mix it to where like, it's just a blend of Barbie world. The Barbie world is a place to be, but I just think it just kind of came off wrong within the dialogue, within just having fun with the Barbie film. And I feel like people were coming to have fun with the Barbie film rather than get a split audience. So that's kind of just where I was with the film. You know, um, the Barbie film's not made for me. It's not something I was really going forward to. I was going for the Oppenheimer. So it's not something that um, I was open-minded to it, but I might be open. I think I'd be more open-minded on the rewatch, but I still don't think I'm going to give it higher than the two, five out of three stars. You know, it's just not, it's not slapping like Oppenheimer. So I get the slumber parties and all that. And I get the open and I get the, uh, the, the Barbenheimer gigs, but like at the end of the day, let's not come on. Let's like, we know what the better movie is okay but it is go to let's go experience both and everyone have their own experience you know everyone have their own experience don't take reviews reviews are for you know reviews are for movie critics you know that's how they feel and that's how they can feel that's fine movies are supposed to make us feel all types of ways and that's why i watch very many very different types of podcasts you know all kinds of people all different kinds of people have different favorite kind of movies so we just have to respect we have to respect what people say about and feel about a movie too, because it's not going to be the same through all ways. But I mean, this next film was Oppenheimer was that though. I think, uh, I, I think it was really cool seeing how Oppenheimer, uh, was a five stars, was a five stars everywhere for everyone that like, I know, um, like all the people I follow on Letterboxd gave it a five stars. So that was pretty cool. Um, and yeah, I just, I just thought it was a great film. Oppenheimer was awesome. Uh, yeah, so Oppenheimer was awesome. This is this is a film directed by Christopher Nolan. It's probably one of my favorite directors ever. Uh, yeah, he he has to be. Him, Corsese. I, I I'm starting to love Spielberg a little more, and there's there's a couple more that I can't think of. Uh, I need to see Old Boy, and I probably can throw Bong Jong up there. Like, but there's like there's a lot of hidden directors that I love. But I think, uh, you know, I think Nolan has the tip on Corsese and Tarantino. I haven't still haven't watched all the Tarantino movies that I need to, but I've watched the classics. But I still think, you know, Tarant. I mean, not Tarantino. Nolan is gonna leave you with that Oppenheimer look of just thinking, like throughout every film. And I was going into this film knowing a lot, you know, but I was open-minded. I knew the story of Oppenheimer. I knew the story of the atomic bomb, the fusion bomb, hydrogen bomb, the super, all that. So, uh, I knew that going in, but I was just really curious to how they were going to stay close to the lines of reality through like what really happened in Oppenheimer's life. And Christopher Nolan did that great. You know, he plays with time and stuff and students seeing the trailers, with Albert Einstein and more, I didn't know how all that was going to blend, but he blended it super well. Um, as the film opens, we're we're brought into a young Oppenheimer's life, and he's he's in the lab studying the stuff. He's just like it's not it's not pleasing to him. It's not what he's wanting to do. He's wanting to learn more. You know, he's dreaming of the quantum the quantum theory things coming together for a bigger vision, and he needs to he's trying to seek that. So he's trying to I think where he's starting to where he's starting to figure out on his way to Berkeley is can a star die? So it was pretty cool trying to, to see the effects of how a star if a star can die and running with running with that to 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 the quantum theory and bringing up the facts of that they can really have a bomb and stuff so uh just the the movie at the beginning 
really brings you to that part of Oppenheimer and growing into the visions of him visioning the bomb and having the having the trials of the the Communist Party jumping back and forth, you know, Gene Tatlock and meeting Kitty and stuff and her getting out of her divorces and stuff. The first part of the film was just really breaking down the man of who Oppenheimer was and throughout Berkeley and, and, and poisoning his teacher and all that. They did all that well. I love that. So, um, and we were also introduced to Louis Strauss, who I really didn't know much about doing my research on before the movie. So that was on the first watch. I was kind of confused, but how Nolan split it, the timelines for you to understand the story. I wasn't confused on like when, what was reality and what wasn't without the, throughout the film. And he did that well. So, uh, throughout the second watch, I, you know, I knew everything was going on after doing some homework, listening to some different reviews of how the time had come together. And I was pretty much right on that watching the movie. And it was just great seeing how it balanced and stuff. And through the second time, you pretty much understand that the beginning of the movie is the end. But that's how Nolan's storytelling is just great. He doesn't unfold the story right there at the beginning of the scenes because he doesn't give a he doesn't give what was said what Oppenheimer said to Albert until the very end of the movie, which was a deep scene, but it wasn't deep until we got into the end of the movie. So seeing how the story unfolds of Oppenheimer and, you know, building the atomic and people falling out with him and more to, you know, him losing this, his secret agency within the war and stuff. And, um, yeah, it was just, it was a lot. And it was, it was a lot to handle. And I felt the stress of Oppenheimer through growing up really and growing up, with a great mind you know with great mind uh you know with great with great power comes great responsibility and you know it all in all things you have responsibility and you're always forever thinking of the the repercussions so you know Oppenheimer he said that uh I think that we can start something that might cause a chemical chain reaction to the whole and destroy the whole world and I get and I understood that on a different level you know people people are so um hungry to be the first in this and that or on top so just imagine at a, at a time when it was just flat out war so i can understand where oppenheimer was at you know just trying to see humanity outside of killing and stuff and seeing that you know the great arms race is not the best deal because who we don't know who or who might be feeling some type of way one day to go drop a bomb at any time if anyone's sitting on bombs so it was really cool to just see how you know just how Nolan depicted the mind of just how how the H bomb didn't sit with Oppenheimer and he just like and how it depicted him it ruined his career because you know at the end of the day he did have something to do with it and the, the Soviets getting it getting it done first or whatever and that was end up being his fallout with the USA and stuff but it was just at the end of the day he didn't see he didn't see that he didn't want to do that. You know, he saw greater good than war, but he just saw what needed to be done to stop this war. you know, and now he's, you know, the story of all worlds. And we saw the we saw him building up to that throughout the stress. You know, the, the battles with Gene Tatlock and all that, just the the quantum theory of his mind and just building to an atomic fusion. And um, yeah, just Oppenheimer's life was really just really something just hard dealt. And I feel like he was just really misunderstood. You know, I just feel like he was really misunderstood and. uh Nolan did great of depicting that and making us, you know, see see him from a different perspective that for people that really didn't understand him for who he was. And he's more than just the guy who created the atomic bomb. I love uh, some of the best shots from the film, I think, were when Oppenheimer 
was having to walk after the the um after the completion of the Trinity test and he was talking to the people and I think and I think but they had just dropped the bombs on Hiroshima or whatever and or Nagasaki and he was talking just to the blank crowd and no one was you know everything was quiet and stuff and that scene was just really really deep with me it just sat deep with me because like it puts you in the outside you know us as Americans it put us in the outside world and putting us it put me in Japan for a minute and just being one of them and you know we can't imagine that like what they've been through and all that so we're very blessed to be in a, a great blessed world of you know a great army and stuff and even more you know that to be able to be on this earth today so it just had my mind thinking in a whole different level of humanity and stuff and we just have to learn to love more throughout everything and i feel like you know we stay away from things like war and stuff and it's more allies and and all that when things come to when things come to shit so um yeah i thought Oppenheimer was great you have to catch it in the imax the imax i called on the imax the first night on thursday which was great. It's just a different experience, you know, IMAX 70 millimeter. Um, to explain it, if you go and watch your standard standard movie and see the black the blackness on the bottom of the screen and on the sides, that's your standard 35 film. It's just kind of skinny, short film. And to where, like, 70 millimeter, you're not going to have any of that wiggle room in the black screen. Everything's going to be filled. It's going to feel like you're in the room, kind of first POV or second POV with whoever's being shot at the time. So, the IMAX was great. I felt like I was right on Oppenheimer's nose the whole time of the movie. And, Lud- and Ludwig's score was phenomenal. Like, I just, I've never felt so chilling throughout, like, an autobiography. There was nothing that made me jump scared besides, like, the little boom throughout the Trinity test and stuff. But, like, there was nothing that was really trying to make me jump scared, like, demons and stuff that made me scary. But just just feeling the thoughts of Oppenheimer and all the stress that he was living with and, you know, reality and, and the, the fighting the communist parties and, you know, the FBI looking out for him because they don't believe that he's loyal to the USA and stuff is just really a nuclear bomb within itself. And I really just felt that within the film and it was deep, you know, and just seeing, seeing Oppenheimer in that moment, just walk through the ashes and, and, um, you see the skin, you see the, you see the, the boom go off and all the skin starts to go and, you know, he was just really visioning the what he had started and, and, you know, the lives he had just taken. But, you know, was it for the greater good? And, you know, he just I don't know. It's just a tough situation to be in the situation of Oppenheimer. And I just think that's why this movie is so great, because you have to put, you know, it's just very subjective, just very subjective and just makes you think outside yourself and makes you think just to be grateful for what we have, because. In a world of war, I don't know what would, you know, I'm just, I'm just grateful that we don't live in that. So Oppenheimer just put me on a different level of all thinking and appreciation. And I could talk about this film for days and I'll, I'll come back to it, I think, at the end of the year wraps when we talk about like the 2023 Third Eye rev- uh, Movie Reviews uh, movie reviews Awards. And then um, this will definitely come back up. I think this will do a lot of, a lot of numbers at the Oscars. I think it will win, uh, I think it will win the best sound for sure. And um, I don't know about Best Picture yet. I don't know. There's a lot up in the air. But, you know, there's a lot of split movies out there. Like, Bo's Afraid is great, but it's very split. I thought that could be a Best Picture, but this is better. You know, this is Oppenheimer. Is the opening weekend killed it. So I could see Oppenheimer really killing it on the uh, on the opening weekend act. So, so yeah, Oppenheimer was great. I watched it twice. So now I can rank it on I can rank it on the uh, the top 50. It's going to sit probably at 29. I, I have a few films that's better than that, like, 
Akira's better than that. Dune, I still got a lot that I need to go back and really jumble it up before the, the summer ends up. And um, But yeah, it's a great film, and it's a 53rd five-star movie that I have on the letterbox. So it's just, you know, it's rare to really find a good five-star movie. But uh, this is a sound three-hour movie. Get out to the theater. It's a must-see in the theaters. And 70 mil. if you can't go to the IMAX, go watch it in 70 millimeter. Do not watch it in the standard form because you regret it. But this, uh, Christopher Nolan shot it in 70 millimeter. That is his standard form. So make sure you go do that, and you will enjoy the film. I promise. I promise. And, um... Yeah, I really don't got much left. I'm going to see Talk To Me Thursday. I've been hearing a lot of great things about that, so I'm really excited for Talk To Me. And then I got the early access event to the Ninja Turtles Monday. The Ninja Turtles is going to be huge. I'm super excited for it. It's just bringing back the Spider-Verse vibes. We get a little anime again. So, uh, yeah, I'm super excited for the Ninja Turtles. Cannot wait to see how it cracks down. Seth Rogen has a hand in it and stuff. I saw Post Malone. He has a, voice act- he has a voiceover in it as well. So there's going to be a lot of different creativity throughout this film that I'm ready for. And um, I cannot wait because, you know, Spider-Verse has been on my mind and I'm ready to see something different than it. So I cannot wait to see how the Ninja Turtles brings the anime live Spider-Verse feel to the screen. And it's going to be great. Um, we're going to shout out some podcasts right now. Shout out to uh, Raiders of the Lost podcast. Make sure you check out their Oppenheimer review, too. It's great. There are some guys that I listen to on the daily to get some movies to watch and all that. So go check out their Oppenheimer review. Uh, go check out. Go check out the uh, Was It Good Though podcast Barbie review. As I really can't speak on the film, I know they loved it. So people that loved it, you might love you might love their review more than mine and can get a different look on it. So go check out Was It Good Though podcast. Go check out Just Another Movie Night too. They had a great podcast talking about the Oppenheimer that I still have to dive into myself. But I've been seeing uh, short clips and stuff that it is out. So that's something I will go over to. Scott and Christy host that. And, um, yeah, just shout out to the movie conference crew that's always keeping it lit in the chat, too, on Instagram. If you're popping on Instagram and want to just come debate with some some great movie, uh, some great movie debaters, come come join the movie conference lounge. I host it. and We just talk about movies all day. You know, no politics, no nothing. We just talk about how movies make us feel, what great movies we need to watch and different events and stuff that we're going to and stuff and what we're looking forward to that's coming up and coming out. And, uh, yeah, we usually are all in there early, so we're all talking about it pretty early and stuff, and it's a great, it's a great group to be in. So I'll be, I think I've sent some invites to some, to some people, so just check your DMs. So, yeah, check it. And if you love to debate about movies, come join the movie conference now. Shout-out to The Barn that hosts, that hosts the Third Eye Review. I love this place. Uh, it's been booming all summer. We got the Knuckleball Primetime that's holding sports down and all that and more. And um, we, got the, we got the Vulgar Display podcast, been doing the metal. Birds and Swords is getting still cooking with the video games and stuff. And, uh, yeah, the prospect league with the knuckleball prime time. So make sure you tune that in. Uh, we are kind of, we're still kind of getting around. I got to watch some more games myself and stuff. Just been umpiring, but things are getting to where they need to be. Things are getting to where they need to be. And, uh, yeah, that's all I got today. Make sure you guys get out to the movies, man. The movies are the place to be. And, um, it's, it's just better and sit at home. Like what else you doing? What else you doing? Get outside, go, go watch a great movie. And, um, yeah, it's worth it. It's just totally worth it. And um, go on to Tuesday if you can't afford it. Tuesdays are like, five. I think, $5 Tuesday still. So if I'm right, go do that if you don't like spending $16 on tickets. But if you want to see a great movie and great picture, you're going to have to spend a little bit more money to go see an IMAX. So this is Swervo, your host. This is episode, I believe, 21. But this is the episode of the Oppenheimer, Barbie, and the Mission Impossible 7. So enjoy tuning in to the Third Eye Movie Review at Third Eye with E-Y-E-E Review on the Instagram and make sure you follow me on Facebook at Daryl Buchanan, letterbox at Daryl Buchanan, and we're out.